Hello, and welcome back to Future of Supply Chain here in Rogers, Arkansas. I'm JP Hampstead, Strategic Analyst here at FreightWaves with Taylor Monk, the CEO of Basic Block. Taylor, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, I think it's. I think this is actually the first time we've met IRL. We've just communicated solely yeah, on Twitter, Twitter mutuals. Yeah, DMs. now now IRL. Yeah, which is hilarious. I feel like that's all my freight tech friends all the time. It's like I always on Twitter, then I see them at FreightWaves, which we haven't had in the last couple of years. So now, like all these people, as we've kind of grown up, it's like, oh, hey, I like I've known you two years ago, but I just now meeting you. Awesome, dude. Um, so I'm excited for this conversation because you know there's a lot of things. You, you guys are a, a cutting edge factoring company. Uh, fintech and freight tech and the intersection of those is really hot or maybe it used to be hot now now who knows but you also you guys also have really great insight into like the current state of the freight market right because you, you're you're dealing with small carriers you're figuring out like you know the, the, their credit worthiness or underwriting um, you're, you're obviously seeing rates so there's a lot to talk about why don't we start off by just talking going through like what basic block does different and maybe some of like your the releases that you guys have just put out? Yeah, so at our, at our core, we're, we're a factoring company, but really we're a tech company. So we built, run, and kind of our entire business runs on our own software, which from right away at the, the start, when you think about that, grouping the traditional factoring companies and then you know the tech-enabled ones, we're drastically different in that way because we control our own destiny in terms of who we integrate with, how we integrate, and all the API type of stuff. Um, but then looking forward, like, Longer term, you know, we've said this and come out in freight waves and really like planted our flag in the ground to say, you know, we're going to drive the rate to zero. So, like, I believe fundamentally that factoring is a commodity, and I believe that you know, in the near future, we're pushing towards a moment where we can factor instantaneously for free um, to a small truck driver. Uh, and the way that we do that, and how everybody, the next logical question is, well, how do you make money? It's it's really like underwriting. So we have some really great data, like that you mentioned. Um, of these carriers and how they're operating and, and running their businesses that allows us to extend them credit more efficiently than, than most of the traditional banks and capital providers that are out there just because they don't have the transparency and insight into you know, what uh, a carrier looks like or, or the different variables that go into writing an extensive underwriting model. So let's let's dig into that a little bit because you say you know you're talking about zero rate factoring. Most uh, drivers, right, when they sign up with a factor, they probably see a pretty low interest rate that actually translates into a really high APR, though, right? Yeah, like, for like, sure. Like banks and lenders consider factoring a high yield credit product. Yeah, like and, I think it's toxic, really. And the reason, you know, and so the re- the reason why they do that is one, they think they can make a lot of money doing it. Two. Uh, at least what they tell me is that there's a lot of fraud. It's really difficult to sort through all of these different uh, you know, transactions and invoices. It's highly manual. It takes you know, orders of magnitude more people to process the, or manage the same amount of you know, truck factoring debt as it would to say to like service a loan or a, a mortgage, right? Sure. So how do, you, how do you guys get around that cost? Well, so I, I think, again, when you compare us to the other factoring companies that just don't have their own software, like, and, and I'll give credit where credit's due, right? Triumphay is smart in that way. They've gone and got these integrations. And if I were a traditional factoring company, I would use that integration because I don't control my own destiny. I don't have my own software. I, I'm, it's not my core focus where Triumphay has gone out and done that and been smart about that. And they can sell a product and you see them selling a product to more factoring companies, right? Like that's what they're doing. They're, they're positioning themselves in that way. We're, we're with us, we, those selling points aren't really the same to us, right? Like we are a tech company, so we built in a lot of those automations ourselves. So 
for us to, to you know, handle uh, an invoice and the fraud, it's so low. You know, I think, I, I don't know the exact number, but, you know, I know when I last checked, we, we probably funded around like $50 million in invoices over, you know, a lot, uh, let's just call it the last year. I'm not exactly sure. Um, and our payback rate is, you know, 31 days and, and the, um, we get paid back on time every time, 99.94% of the time. So like the fraud that you're seeing is, is really non-existent. Um, and, and yes, everybody says when you get burned by factoring companies, you get big burned really big. Um, but we built protections and things into the software to stop us from, from overextending ourselves in areas that we don't want to be, right? And we have all these different covenants that we look at in terms of our portfolio of how extended are we to TQL versus like a small broker and like what, are, you know, how comfortable can we get extending credit essentially out to brokerages in a way. Um, so it's, it's, like I said, I think that the, the narrative, it checks out, right? Like I would use a software if I were a traditional factoring company like a TriumPay or those when we're a tech company, it's not, it's not really the same, right? And I think that the narratives are just different. You know, one of us just has a bigger microphone and that's just because they have more money, I think. Interesting. Okay. Um, <laughs> thanks for saying that. That's, that's cool. Um, now you have the microphone. So this is, this is good. Um, tell me about the concept of like underwriting a trucker versus underwriting uh, a broker. Like who, like who, who do you have to trust? Who do you have to believe is going to pay you? And how, and how do you figure that out automatically? Yeah. So, so factoring, we don't really care if the carrier is brand new or, or been in business forever, right? We fundamentally have like a standard rate that we won't go above. So 2% is the highest we'll ever go in a factoring rate. Um, and then we do have carriers that are lower and some close to zero, depending on the products that they're leveraging with us. And some are experimenting, right? And, and those types of things. Um, but the majority of our, our underwriting and a lot of our data comes today uh, is from brokerages where we're pulling from a lot of the same data sets that uh, everybody has, Carrier 401, Insania credit data. Um, but then we're pairing that a lot with these transactional data that we see in the trucker's bank account. So we're directly integrated into their bank accounts as we direct deposit. So repairing those transactional, the transaction of their actual business and then all these kind of different things. So like it could even go down to how good of quality of document scanning is this driver. Is he great at scanning documents? If he's great at scanning documents, it's likely we can extend him more credit because he takes the time and he understands that if we don't get good clear documents, we have to go back to him and it creates this like flywheel, right? Um, there's tons of different like different variables. Uh, some I'm more excited than others, though I don't like to talk about them that much publicly. Uh, and I think that really like that's where the money will be made is is extending credit to carriers the, the issue we have now obviously the market is not great to do that um you know for anybody so i think that we focused a lot on and we've had a lot of success as of late working with these a lot of these digital brokerages that have started to come to us and say you know we do want to get into factory we do want to get in payments because it is hot we 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 want to figure out a way to work with you and i think they start to realize and i think we've started to realize we actually do know a lot about factoring and how it actually works so you know, oftentimes we're getting in the room with these large, you know, unicorns multiply times over in, in freight and, and really talking to them about how and what their strategy around factoring should look like, whether it's with us or with any other factoring company out there that I think is interesting too. Cool, cool. That, that, that's, that's super interesting. I want to pivot for a second and talk a little bit about uh, the venture capital market. Um, you know, last year, it's extremely frothy, very hot. It felt like VCs discovered uh, truck fa or freight factoring like for the first time, right? And they thought that there were like you know massive like fintech like opportunities. Um, a lot of companies got funded. I just want to get your perspective on like like why 
is it true that that sort of seemed to happen last year? And secondly, like, do the VCs really understand the, the business in the industry? Um, so I think that there are a lot of VCs that do, right? So like uh, we've got the opportunity to network with quite a few of them, some that are current and some that are prospective. Um, and it, it depends, right? Like I think the, the ones that really do haven't placed large bets, right? So like there are, there are certain firms out there that I think are really solid at, at, at payments and at freight tech that you really haven't seen like make massive payment bets. It's been like, you know, Kleiner Perkins or like some of these other just kind of like, I wouldn't say I would name brands. Yeah. But I wouldn't even go as far to say it's like a Sequoia or an Andreessen because when you look at us all fundamentally, they've all seen our decks, right? We're all really in the same exact area. You know, the difference is, you know, maybe basic box raise, you know, 10 million and, and, and let's call it Axel or A to B or, or true North has raised 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 million, right? But they're still deploying that capital. And those top tier brands are wanting to fund the winner. They don't want to fund anybody else. And you have kind of the second tier brand that's trying to make a name for themselves um, and kind of become somewhat irrelevant a little bit and, and are trying to place bets early. And then you have kind of like what I would call this first tier of brands of like a nine yards, an NYCA, uh, an auto tech that like are really specifically sector specific yes. seed stage. And those guys, right, are doing their due diligence unbelievably, right? And they're looking at these deals and saying like, I just can't get comfortable with a business that doesn't have a ton and we're writing these massive checks into. So I think that, I think the startups that will win, you know, and there's a lot I think going on and playing in this, not just the trucking market, but also just the general like market in itself. You got to be really smart about your burn right now, I think is, is something that I like constantly think about. And I think that you have to continue to grow. The companies that are going to get funded, I think are the companies that are going to grow aggressively um, and manage their burn really well. The companies that, you know, likely just raised in the last year that were burning like, madmen um if they can't catch that growth up who knows they could die or you never know they could take down rounds you just you don't know um but right now i don't think the market is as near as and i think anybody that would say that is it would is just fundamentally delusional probably the market is not for vc money is not hot for sure not at all it's not hot for sure um i think it's, it's interesting i think that we talked ourselves into thinking there was like tons of dry powder that had to be deployed, but a lot of that capital, you know, hasn't been called and now it maybe isn't necessarily a great time to call it, right? Yeah. Like I think that people, you know, and I've learned this over the course of years, but you know, VCs don't just have money sitting there, right? It's like capital calls that come in and now like this is not a good time to capital call. And I think that, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing that be true. And I think in freight, there's still a lot of like meat on the bone of where to, you know, build and how to build. And I'd like to think we're in that conversation. Um, but yeah, like these companies, I think you'll see, will start to slow their hiring and start to try and figure out like, how long does this go on for? Um, and I don't know, you know, they said this right at the beginning of COVID, the market was going to die. And then, you know, freight and freight tech and a lot of the startups, it was complete opposite. Right. You know, the, but who knows? I don't know. Um, so you guys obviously see a a lot of freight rates. Uh, you see a lot of transactions, you see a lot of shipments, Let's talk about the market for a little bit. Um, I, you know, I wonder if you've read some of the articles that, that Craig has posted about. Uh, you know, we, we called for a, like a repeat of the 2019 bloodbath um, back in I think it was March 24th. I'm just cu- I, and so everybody I've been talking to at this conference asked, "I'm like, what are you guys seeing? Um, you know, do, do you confirm? Do you deny? Do you qualify? Do you modify?" 
yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer in it. Like, I think uh, we see that for sure. And I think it's interesting to have the takes out there like Craig does. And then, you know, not agree or disagree right off like face value, but then start to track that back to our own data and start to say like, are we increasing in loads? Are our rates dropping? Um, just different types of things like that. Like I don't, I don't have, you know, the data that Sonar does and the tender rejections, right? But I do have like rates and, and actual capacity, if you will, like how often they're hauling. Um, and, and when you pair those two together, I mean, I fundamentally believe he's not wrong, right? And I think my view on it is it, it revolves a lot around fuel, right? Like the higher increase of fuel, and, and we kind of talked about this earlier, the higher increase of fuel essentially means that their margins, their operating margins are lower, which means they have to haul more than you know one load a week, let's call it, to pay their bills at the end of the month, which then increases capacity, which drives rates down, right? So then you get in this like vicious cycle of, of, of that going on. Um, I think if fuel leveled out and stabled out, it would, it, it would be a different, it could rapidly switch the other way. Um, but I don't, I don't have the insight to know if that's going to happen anytime soon. How, how easy is it for you guys to separate out fuel from uh, wine hall rates? I, I know that's, that's always like a m- massive data integrity question anytime someone's quoting spot rates because so many brokers pay all in. Um, do you guys have, have, a, have a handle on that? I can, I can tell you what a trucker eats for breakfast in the morning. Like I can tell you like where he eats, what he eats. I can tell you pretty much everything from a transactional level we have in, into their bank accounts, whether that's them using us on our, you know, as we start to build and launch our own financial products and banks or us integrating into their traditional bank account that they have at Chase and JP Morgan, right? Like I, we, we know where they're stopping, what they're doing and, and how much essentially they're paying for fuel. That's the cool part about Visa, right? Is now Visa has launched, um, you know, and, and MasterCard has this too, their fleet 2.0, where you're getting a ton of this data on in terms of, of fuel and gallons and those types of things that is becoming pretty interesting on what you can leverage and learn from that. Uh, so it's exciting for us for sure. I think that insight that you shared about how higher fuel costs, you know, leads to higher operating costs, which means you need more loads per month to pay your bills, which is, you know, forcing truckers to like haul more, right? Increasing capacity. They're, they're, like that's creating like a, like a reinforcing feedback loop. It's a flywheel essentially. So they're just flying itself around. And, and I believe that fuel is the main driver in that. Um, but there's, there's so many other variables that go into it. I'd, I'd be interested to see, which I'm sure Sonar could probably do the increase in fuel, you know, and, and potentially the capacity that was opened. I don't, I don't know, but there's, that's, that's what I fundamentally believe. That's fascinating. Um, well, Taylor, thank you so much uh, for joining. Um, really great to catch up and talk to you and finally meet you in real life, not on the Twitter sphere. Uh, but I'll, I'll see you uh, back in the DMs. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.